0: Thank you for downloading this podcast, Conversations with Dr. Rick.
1: piece of paper and this bag now. Oh, we're pleased that worked.
0: So, did you think that was all we were doing?
1: Mm, yes, but you can tell me more.
0: Well, I thought we were going to do the... Um...
1: You want to speak, speak about your later voices?
0: I just said give oh, us a bit true. of your work history that's and true. that was supposed to be a flavour into this project. Okay. But it became the whole podcast and then it's been epic because I was like true. year and a half later or something yeah. and we finished it. Yeah, okay. But the, that podcast was supposed to be about young Asian voices, All right. the fact that you had spoken at a conference yes, about yeah. it recently, yes. not recently now, obviously yeah. recently then, Yeah. yeah. Um and you'd written a, an article with um, Amina. Dr Amina Razak. Yes, that Amina? that's right, yeah, yeah. Well, we've
1: written three things now,
0: four things. And she's happy for you, obviously, to talk about it candidly here, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Young People as Cultural Critics Resisting Monocultural Landscapes. Is that the title of your article?
1: That's the title of the paper that is in the Social Policy Review uh, number 32, which has just been published.
0: Um, So, Dad, Young People as Cultural Critics Resisting Monocultural Landscapes. So this is the name of your paper, I want to say recent paper, is it a recent paper?
1: Yeah, we've just had it, uh, Dr Amina Razak and myself, so Amina and I um, both did the research and wrote uh, the paper and it is in Social Policy Review number 32, 2020 is the uh, reference for people if they want to go and look at it Uh, but the issues really are about um, how do BAME young people young men and young women speak back uh, and and see beyond actually which is uh, this is partly the title of hopefully a new chapter that Amina and I are in the process of writing but how do they um, speak back to their world, which is a world where over 95% of the population of Sunderland declare themselves to be white, white British, on um, monitoring forms, you know, the, the census. And so it's a very small BAME, you know, black, Asian, minority, ethnic population. And, um, and so this monocultural dominance is really the, the backdrop as to what what we um, found and the young people themselves were um, seeking to tell their stories their lived experience about the racism they experienced the sexism they experienced but also the difficulties of being betwixt and between different communities hmm. uh, and how they felt that nobody really knew they were there um, and so that's really what the paper's about. It's been a joy to me uh, to be able to work with Amina. I've known Amina uh, a good long time, and in fact um, she completed her doctorate, I think in 2009, which is uh, way before mine. She was, uh, she, her, her work was on uh, South Asian uh, British masculinities, uh, and particularly in the Pakistani and Bangladeshi communities, and it was a really interesting piece of work, f- way ahead of her time, but her story is is like my story really is like most black and minority ethnic academics is that sometimes the sports structures aren't there for them so um, so Amina ha, uh, has a very good record of research she's an excellent researcher she she she's got uh, both uh, quantitative and qualitative research um, I'm really a qualitative researcher, so she brings so much uh, to my um game which is fantastic and she's written a a good amount but she's not really had the support in academia so she's ended up working outside of academia so she works in research housing and participation she's but i was lucky enough some a few years ago to hook up back with amina and to do this work around young Asian voices We brought together a very healthy lens around race, class, gender. So we were lucky, we got a small amount of money from our faculty actually, which was really excellent, um, to do a small piece of research with young Asian voices to explore, it was a survey followed by some focus groups and some interviews to really explore the mapping the needs of uh, young BAME people, particularly, particularly young uh, British South Asian young people in Sunderland and youth workers so that combination that's what we tried to do with the research it was small and it was fairly focused.
0: So I know that um, Young Asian Voices has been a project that's been off the ground for longer than that so and you've been a part of it from the beginning is that right?
1: Yeah 1996 I started the university I arrived in Sunderland there were some really excellent people uh, already involved in trying to Build on what I think a group in Sunderland called Sunderland Unites now does, which is try to build bridges between people uh, and try to understand people's common humanity. So we look at commonalities as much as differences. And uh, one of those people, Heike Horsbra, who used to be the project manager of Hendon Young People's Project in Sunderland, and Abdul Amin, who ended up being the first uh, qualified community youth worker, Bangladeshi qualified community youth worker. In the northeast region as i understood it our young asian voices first worker uh, and manager um, wrote me in early on in the their ideas of moving a project which had been the bangladeshi youth association to a, a bigger more focused youth project that we ended up calling young asian voices and i came in at the very beginning of that and uh, became their first chair person so i was really proud of that It was the beginning of my teaching at the University and it was the beginning of my relationship again with Sunderland. I had worked in Sunderland uh, with young people before then, uh, but this was a really exciting venture for me. For me what's the most exciting element of it is that some of the young people that we worked with in in those days and. have now um, are still involved in Young Asian Voices, supporting it. The the board of directors is still going, so there's still some people that were mm-hmm. um, on that board when I was there oh, uh, have kept in there for 26 years or something. They're, you know, really fantastic commitments to charity and to the wealth of the community, to the Commonwealth as we might call it in wider terms. And um, but young um, the the project manager was a young person who came through it, and he talks to me, when he does talk to me, he talks about keeping those principles of anti-racist youth work, practice and the importance of issues of diversity and care and young people's voice at the heart of everything they try and do.
0: Reading recommendations by Dr Rick
1: There's a good recent book by, edited by Gary Craig Uh, community organising against racism that I think would be helpful for people because it covers really issues of practice and it's edited uh, by Gary Craig who's an absolutely lovely man and the different chapters in the book really offer some flavour of of some of the things we've talked about today.
0: Just tell me a little bit about the young people.
1: Okay. Well the young people that we interviewed uh, we interviewed uh, a range of people actually, we interviewed some parents, we interviewed some youth workers and we interviewed uh, a group of young women who were volunteers called the uh, VIPs Volunteer Integration Project they um, they, it was a sort of group of young women who had helped out and but also came together for communal discussions about issues of how they could uh, take young Asian voices and and try and drive forward with the agenda of meeting other young people across the city or talking to others from either within their own community or within other communities. So most of the young people were Bangladeshi origin, some Pakistani. Uh, young women were in there, um, but it, so it was a it was a conversation they wanted to have either with elders in within their own community or with young people who didn't use young Asian voices from the BAME community, and or with white um, young people in the city or, or with white adults in the city, about how they could all live together. And that's really what the young women told us. And the young men were younger. They were a younger age group. And they were around 14 years old. And they were fantastic. I can't tell you how proud I was of those young men. Both Amina and I were both bowled over by, by all the young people because they they were articulate about their own sense of self they were articulate about the kind of things that happened to them good and bad Uh, and there were a significant number of not good things that were happening to them across uh, the northeast they had really high aspirations and really wanted to study the world hard and Mm. and i thought this is the future these these were definitely um the future and they uh, so it made me feel very proud and uh, uh, Amina and I were both bowled over by what they, they, they told us um, and that's why we called them cultural critics because mm-hmm. they had a very good eye mm-hmm. on the dominant culture of the surroundings they were growing up in.
0: Young people get underestimated for their ability to look around and understand the world and then they're not often asked that question are they?
1: Bibi, it's absolutely right. It's crazy, actually, isn't it? It's when you think about it, we should be encouraging, you know, children and young people to articulate their worlds. That they're uh, perfectly able to do it. It's just that the society hasn't quite organised itself to have an attentive ear that listens to them, and a heart that can understand that the importance of what the information and data is, uh, and. The fact that they have a place in the society, yeah. and probably finally be that, as a youth work position, young people are our future. Yeah. And we've had significant numbers of governments that have forgotten that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming then you're talking about those young people recently, you're not talking about the young people as in 20 years ago, 20 odd years ago. These the, You spoke to the groups of young people so yes. What year was this, 2019? Oh, 2000s. Uh,
1: we did the interviews 2016, mm-hmm. 2017 right. uh, the report came out and then we wrote a paper for Youth and Policy I think in 2019. But the interesting thing for us and why we ended up thinking the way we did about what they told us, is partly because their stories were so clear that racism and Islamophobia was were daily instances, so there was some Really powerful stories about uh, going to work, and at work, some woman, white woman refused to be served by, uh, by her because she was wearing her headscarf, uh, her hijab, and in a very, very offensive way. And of course, it was very difficult because really the organization should have dealt with that mm. in a much more public way. Uh, the, the customer should have been told to get out of the shop, in my view there should have been some support for her, but it, much of the stories were about being in public places, schools, college, university, work, on the street, and on on, you know, public transport, and being made to feel unsafe, not by everybody, but by some people deliberately targeting them, and other people not saying anything so that there was not a, a speaking back from the, the majority of people in that particular moment to say, no, that's not in our name. We're not, we, we don't agree with that. And, and, and of course, I, I sort of think about Black Lives Matter, and that's really been a, a consequence of that, that a lot of white people have stood up alongside black people and have said, yeah, black lives do matter. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to have a, a, a much better public culture mm-hmm. where you know, white people who feel... Um, who see uh, uh, offences of sexism or racism whatever it is whatever kind of you know it's against people with impairments if it's whatever the kind of hostility if it's homophobic we speak up and we we say that's not acceptable and uh, because there are so many public places and places of of institutional places Mm -hmm. that the young people talked about feeling uncomfortable in Mm -hmm. That they felt they were monocultural, they felt they didn't see them or hear them or understand the, them.
0: Uh, I can imagine there's a lot of frustration in that because if you're not feeling safe and not feeling heard then you're feeling very vulnerable yeah and how do you then put yourself in that situation again because you're on your own and so I'd imagine there's feelings of loneliness and isolation and I mean that's not right that how are young people yeah. feel any of that which comes alongside being young anyway. Like yeah. if you're young, you, you, you often have those feelings.
1: And the story of the youth work in this is that Young Asian Voices created safe spaces for these young people, young women, and young men, to come together and be able to share those stories so that they didn't feel isolated and didn't feel alone and didn't feel um, cut off, but were able to articulate um, through those processes of uh, being supportive Mm -hmm. to feel more empowered Mm -hmm. and to feel that they had a voice that just someone needed to hear. Mm -hmm. They were clear it was the right voice. Mm -hmm. What they were slightly uh, uh, stuck with was that the the policy uh, ears in the city and the civic leaders in the city um, weren't able to hear them. Had, had had not yet attuned themselves to the ability to listen to those young people or in fair, fairness to other young people in the city, young white young people who hopefully may not have those racist ideas and, and those racist views uh, and, and and one of the things that was really powerful about what they said, so i 'm just trying to share this was that on reflection. Um, both Ramina and I will, will look back at some of the work we had done. Well, I'd done in 1998. So, we'd, young Asian voices had done a piece of work with young women in 1998 uh, about where did they go and how did they feel about the city and where, what, what, what was what made them feel good about life and what you know what was difficult about life and what were their lived experiences. And they then told us that for many young young uh, girls and young women, they were very limited in where they went. So they often went from home to school. Uh, the, the The journeys on the streets were difficult because they, they, they may be um, uh, uh, attacked or um, uh, intruded upon in those journeys between home and school. They might go from home to shop. Sometimes when we think about data and think about stories, we, we can separate out what the reality is from what the story is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But in fact, actually, what what... The 1998 research told us was that young women, particularly young women. So this is a gendered form of racialized violence. It's not just race; it's about gender and about class. You know, many of the you know South Asian young people, and particularly Bangladeshi young people, are, are living in um, some of the poorer households. So they're living in areas. Of, they're working class. So it's 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 also a, an intersection between you know. BAME working class and white working class and, and um, so class is also important here in terms of who's educated in what ways and how people live alongside each other. So the 1998 research told us that, that, that young women were very limited in the spaces that they went and they were also limited to some extent um, you know uh, within the spaces they could meet with each other because of the community itself and uh, so there was no Public resources, hence young Asian voices. The importance of young Asian voices. Yeah, yeah I was just was, about
0: to make a comment on how important yeah, then it was to yeah. happen, an, and no wonder it survived and, exi- and still exists and is growing.
1: Yes, it's it, you know that young people do need that space, and they you know and good good sensible adults in the community know that, and um, and good sensible people outside the community know that too in, in terms of different communities. But as we know, young youth work has been decimated yes. by austerity and um, is now mostly in the charitable and voluntary sector uh, which Young Asian Voices always was. And the young people, so the young people in the current moment told us stories that resonated, it seemed to us that some things had remained the same, that in fact we hadn't made the progress we'd really want to make in terms of challenging racism and sexism head on uh, and, and opening up pathways for all young people that, that are born and brought up in, in, in our cities mm-hmm. because all of them were belonging and the young women specifically talked about being Asian Muslim makams, so they talked in terms th- those three particular facets of their identity were very clear to them mm-hmm. and what they often felt was that white people in general, not every white person, but you know, white people in general, didn't seem to know how they got there or where they were from. And yet they were born in the city. Many of their parents were born in the city, actually. And they they had grown up in the city and they, they knew everything about white culture and, and, and actually the different cultures that might operate in the city but they were shocked that nobody knew much about theirs. They knew very little about their religion, they knew little about their cultural, um, and they knew little about them as people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that was really the story that Amir and I thought was very important to tell. Yeah, yeah. We're a conduit for their stories.
0: Yeah, I love that, yeah. 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 Giving them a voice, yeah. a wider voice than they're, they're, they've already been allowed to have within the, yeah. the um, young Asian voices. Oh. just to make it clear not everybody will know what a Macam is
1: okay no 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 a Macam is uh, the colloquial term for people from Sunderland a bit like a Geordie is the colloquial term for people from Newcastle and um, so I'm a Geordie Indian um, and have uh, people Do you uh, have some
0: of the young people um, being sort of Macam and Geordie some of that sort of rivalry have you uh, ever had that when you're there
1: well uh, <laughs> you know, yes sometimes that happens and of course you know a lot of the young people Big Sunderland football yeah. supporters, and it's yeah. great, you know, that's fantastic from my point of view. And Silly. there's a really great person who works alongside Young Asian Voices, and I think, um, I think may even have an office at the new Young Asian Voices building, Gary Bennett, who's a um, one of the most famous footballers for Sunderland Football Club, but also one of the most famous cat, and he's a really brilliant spokesperson for Show Racers and the Red mm-hmm. Card. So, you know, so Young Asian Voices work very closely with Show Racers and the Red Card mm-hmm. to. Try and um, you know try and articulate a sensible uh, position about how we can live in the world.
0: It sounds fantastic, and it sounds like you're very proud of it. And you've and I love the fact that you've written a paper to kind of help widen that voice. Why did you want to write this paper?
1: Okay, BB, that's a great question. Um, well, you know, partly it's it's. I mean, in truth, for academics, it's an output that's how they talk about it these things uh, so you do your research you have an output and that might be a paper or it might be a podcast or it might be um, you know radio interviews or whatever it is but we we wanted to um, have various different outputs really one of them was the the, 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 the actual research report which uh, young Asian voices have used I think and helpfully to try and um, get some ideas around um, new new funding because we also identified that BAME young women funders tend to work towards funding target outcomes it's much easier to get young men together in a group and therefore meet a target have you got 20 young people doing x on Saturday than it is to get young women Mm. so the we also um, did a presentation for funders uh, and for civic leaders in the city to talk about the absence of more creative thinking around the life, lived experience of young women.
0: Excellent.
1: Because if young women, um, if it's not so easy to get 20 young women Mm -hmm. to go and do a hockey game or to play cricket or to do whatever to an activity, for all sorts of reasons, some of them are cultural, Mm -hmm. some of them are to do with parents' concerns about what happens to their young women. Uh, Some of them are to do with uh, the, the racialization of space and the fact that some spaces are not safe. Some of it's to do with travel. So it's a lot harder for a youth organisation to to get the the targets met mm-hmm. that a funder wants. Therefore, they don't get the money for the for young women.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, so, I mean, that's another story. Isn't it? Yeah,
1: and that's the reason why we really wanted to do the paper too. We wanted right. to we wanted to try and shatter the myth about racism being a single m- monolithic. Um, we wanted to understand some of the um, more nuanced realities about life that one cannot, one one thing never lives alone on its own and single stories are of no benefit to the complexity of life mm-hmm. that young people's identities are more complex than that and as I've said to you, these young women in this case talked about themselves as they understood their Bangladeshi heritage, but they were British, so they talked about themselves as being British and being here, but they also talked about themselves as being from Sunderland, you know, so they were Machams, and those three identities um, rub up well against each other, but they intersect with them being young women, they're not young men, so how do, how do young women experience the world? well it may be different to young men and the young men we interviewed were absolutely fantastic because they had a very critical eye a very positive critical eye on the way that your, their sisters and aunties mm. and mothers might get treated mm. and they felt that young women should have the same opportunities that they had mm. and they they articulated that well and we wanted to get that story out and one of the ways was to To take it to conferences. One of the ways was to do a a public meeting with civic leaders and and funders and the the youth organisations. How's that been received? Well, it's all been received very well, actually. I think people have, um, I think I mean, as an extremely articulate person, I think I'm pretty good at this stuff and we both are passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So we hoped people would hear what we were trying to say. Mm -hmm. We've had some really interesting questions asked of us and. I guess the big project, if we have a big project, mm. is I'd really like to see spaces opened up for those young people yeah. to have a voice themselves. They don't really need a Mina and me or they don't need they need they need to have a voice themselves mm. and, and that's ultimately the aim of youth, good youth work. The project manager of Young Asian Voice has got a great idea. He's got a plan for ambassadors, you know, local yeah. ambassadors, yeah. but we're also working with Spark Fm, which is the University Community Radio, mm-hmm. to try and develop Either a radio program that young women could have a voice on, and they mm. could invite other young women from across the city to come. So it could, would be a diverse group of young women mm. that that ultimately would be able to have their voices heard. But the dilemma, of course, as I think is always the case in this moment, we're, we're doing it with no money. There's no, e- there's no easy access to funding mm. for any of these projects. Of
0: course, you mentioned it earlier, but investing in young people is investing in the future of country. Yes. <laughs> of no, they, I just don't understand why you
1: wouldn't invest there. No, and you so look to Scotland. And sorry, mm. I've just it's a it's a it's a political point really, yeah. but I guess it's an important point. You look to Scotland because we're not we're in the northeast of England, so we're not that far from Scotland. And you look to Scotland, and they you know they don't have a lot of money, but the Scottish government support mm. the idea of young people and communities, mm. and they understand it in terms of public health. They understand it in terms of voice. And choice, they understand it in terms of aspirations, and it, they understand it in terms of the future of the country. And I think mm. we, we could raise our aspirations and, and look to some places like Scotland or Northern Ireland do it too. They look after their young people. You know, Wales try and do a better job. England is really, really poor mm. in, in terms of the way we got the government, the governance of this is.
0: Thinking about it then alternatively, if the funding was there
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, cool. and supported what do these young women ultimately want no
1: i think that that's a great question Bibi, and i think that you'd also want to link into somewhere like the sunderland youth consortium because they they, they have a youth work group that tries to represent a range of different youth work projects in the voluntary community sector in in sunderland um, so I'm using Sunderland as an example this could happen in Middlesbrough, it should happen in Durham it should happen in, in, mm-hmm. in, in Newcastle too in Northumberland and we have some great youth projects in the region, we have some fantastic youth projects in the North East region but they're not able to work together mm-hmm. um, on and bring together the synergy that you can get from bringing young people together, young people of difference and generating possibly new things for young people to have that voice uh, about their own belonging in their own place. If you had a sensible funding stream for youth work you'd be able to use youth work in schools. I think that's an absolutely essential thing. I think every secondary school should have a youth work unit with at least two if not three qualified youth workers I think you'd then be looking at issues of gender, you'd be able to look mm-hmm. at places of safety for young people to do all the informal stuff that needs to happen, mm-hmm. where, you know, the life world stuff, what, how do young people make sense of the world that they're in and give them, you know, greater opportunities, which I think would take pressure off teachers and it would take pressure off the formal curriculum mm-hmm. elements and give a sense of community actually to most schools and most Head teachers and teachers I've ever talked to know that and understand that they just haven't got the funding well, absolutely. to do it yeah. so we have a fragmented system. It uh, sounds like yeah. a
0: really exciting paper what do the young people mm. think about that you've written this paper have they read it okay um, or have they heard you speak about it what do they think?
1: Yeah no when we did the when we did the presentation of the research the young two of the young women uh, did a presentation yeah. themselves oh, uh, yeah. so we were really hopeful they would do that and they were really keen to do that mm. so Good for them um, so they talked about the, the, the research from their own position young Asian voices itself gave a, a response mm. to it and so it was really it was a you know that was positive so the young people have felt positive as I mm. as far as I know about it. Um,
0: well, clearly they feel very well supported.
1: Yeah I think so and I think they're the future really as I keep saying.
0: What are you going to do with the paper now? What's your next step? What are you and Amina and the young people thinking?
1: Things are So we've got no more money to do any more right. research. So that's come to end of course. Um, Covid has ar- ar- arisen. So if
0: anybody's listening to this who has a little pot of money and they don't know what to do with it, <laughs> and they think this is a good idea, would you accept donations?
1: <laughs> oh, we definitely accept <laughs> donations. But I think actually I saw a really lovely thing, in fact I contributed to it. There was one in Lanc- Lancaster where a group had done some research with a, a, a researcher, and she was wanting them to take it the next stage, but they had no money, mm. so she did a crowdfunding with them. Oh, I was thinking and, that. I was and going I, to mention it. And I've yeah. sent some money to them because I thought it was yes. such a great idea. Yeah. Young Asian Voices themselves are very creative, and they, they're looking for funding to continue the work, and they are, as I say, they're working with mm. the radio station and Spark FM, and so that's really good at the university, and you know, trying to sort of bring that in. Ultimately, in the absence of an immediate ability for a local authority and other civic leaders to respond it's a slow process of change i think we've you know we've got the best in the world in the northeast and we've sometimes got the dimmest in the world in the northeast mm-hmm. and we have to try and find a way where those people who think insular and think about hatred and division and don't see difference and diversity as a good thing we have to challenge that and we have to find ways of challenging that mm-hmm. and building what those young people wanted, mm. which was, actually, they wanted very little.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking that, Dad, that they're not really asking for very much, are they? No, they were asking Just to for feel safe.
1: Good neighbourliness. <laughs> we might have called it in the old yeah. days. Yeah. You know, friendship, um, uh, not being abused when you travel on public transport. Well, I yeah. think that should be a baseline, shouldn't yeah, it? Definitely that, yeah, definitely, That nobody should be abused on public transport. So I think all those things they were asking for were lovely because they were they were young people not really being pushy mm. uh, they were asking for from their own experience of how they could find a better way to be to have a, a, a more um, convivial relationship mm. across the different social divides mm. in a place like in a place like Sunderland or a place like the northeast and so that's my hope mm. is that we keep that's the job Mm-hmm. We keep doing that until we can't do that any longer. We just keep yeah. talking about this stuff.
0: I, I think that sounds fantastic and a great place to end it. Thanks.
1: Thank for you. you. Be- you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. February 2021 marks the 25th anniversary of the birth of Young Asian Voices. So for me and my dad, we'd just like to say happy birthday. Keep on rocking. Thanks for listening. Don't be racist. Bye.